Welcome to CII's podcast, The Voice of Corporate Governance. While this podcast is open to the public, the majority of our work is only accessible to current CII member organizations. If you would like information on becoming a member of CII, please visit our website at cii.org or contact our Director of Membership, Melissa Fader, with her email, melissa at cii.org. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with accounting professor Rachel Thompson of the College of Business at North Dakota State University. Professor Thompson is the author of a recent research paper entitled Reporting Misstatements as Revisions, an Evaluation of Managers' Use of Materiality Discretion. Welcome, Professor. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. So, Professor, what what motivated you to write a research paper about how companies correct errors in their financial statements? So my interest in this area began back in the PhD program. I was looking for a research topic, and I came across a couple papers that discussed how companies disclose errors. As I was reading these papers, I was surprised myself to learn that companies could correct uh, prior period financial statements without reporting a formal restatement. So in fact, companies can correct these errors in three ways, making an adjustment in the current year, uh, correcting the prior period with either what we call a little r restatement or a big r restatement. Uh, so given the variation in how these errors could be reported, I became interested in whether firms had dis- how much discretion they had over this choice and whether this discretion was being used appropriately. So, Professor, I, I think a lot of investors and other market participants are also surprised to learn that there are at least two different ways that companies correct errors in their financial statements. And many are rightly confused by the terms big R restatements and little r restatements. So can you help our listeners understand how companies correct errors and what's meant by the terms big R restatements and little r restatements? Uh, Yes, Jeff. So both little r and big R restatements correct the prior period financial statements for the detected error. The difference between the two depends on whether the misstatement is determined to be material to the prior period. So if the misstatement is material to the prior period financial statements, the firm must report a big R restatement. These restatements require an 8K opinion or an 8K filing and a revision to the audit opinion. On the other hand, if management determines that the misstatement is immaterial to the prior period, but correcting that error in the current period would distort the current year financial statements, they must report this little r restatement. Little r restatements, unlike big r restatements, do not require this 8K filing, and they don't require a revision to the audit opinion. Because big r restatements are deemed material, to the prior period, whereas little r restatements are not, uh, big r restatements tend to relate to errors that are more severe and tend to lead to more negative consequences. So for example, 
Uh, restatements are more likely to elicit a negative market response and are more likely to trigger compensation clawback provisions. So thus, all else equal, my study argues that managers are likely to have incentives to report these little r restatements instead of big r restatements. Professor, as you know, there's been a significant and ongoing debate over the past year in the United States and in Europe about materiality in the context of financial and sustainability disclosures. What does your research show you about how corporate managers use materiality in the context of correcting and disclosing financial statement errors? Uh, yes, Jeff. So as you alluded to, there's been a pretty steady push in recent years towards refocusing disclosures on items that are more relevant and more material for each specific company and its financial statement users. This company-specific emphasis of materiality requires managers to exercise discretion in determining what is material for their company. My study investigates whether managers are using materiality discretion opportunistically to report little r restatements instead of big r restatements. I first evaluate uh, the extent to which these little r restatements meet documented materiality indicators. To the extent that they meet these indicators, it suggests that these revisions are perhaps questionably or suspect type revisions. So although there's no big bright line rule in determining uh, the misstatement's materiality, there exists rule of thumb benchmarks and regulatory guidance that can be used to assess an item's materiality. Uh, for example, errors that exceed 5% of income are typically considered to be material. Using these indicators, I find that approximately one-third of all these little r restatements meet at least one of these materiality factors. Uh, this suggests that a significant percentage of these little r restatements are deemed immaterial despite meeting an observable factor. Thus, I view these little r restatements to be questionable or, as I call in my paper, suspect uh, little r restatements. I also find that little r restatements are more likely to be reported when managers face a clawback threat upon re reporting a big R restatement. Overall, uh, my research suggests that some firms may be using uh, this discretion opportunistically. Professor, earlier this year, the Securities and Exchange Commission reopened the comment period on its 2015 proposal to implement the incentive compensation clawback requirement mandated by Section 954 of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2010. A key question raised by the SEC in that rulemaking is whether the scope of the clawback rule should be limited to big R restatements. Some commentators representing corporations have argued that expanding the scope of the Dodd-Frank clawback rule to include little r restatements as well as big r restatements could force significantly more companies 
to pursue the recovery of incentive compensation in unwarranted circumstances. So, Professor, how might your research inform the SEC on this issue regarding the scope of the Dodd-Frank clawback rule? The SEC's original proposed rule, so if we look back to 2015, suggested that only big R restatements would be subject to the Dodd-Frank clawback provisions. As you mentioned, however, uh, now the SEC is requesting feedback on whether the clawback rule should also apply to these little r restatements. So one potential concern with restricting the scope of the clawback rule to only big R restatements is that it might incentivize firms to report little r restatements instead. In my study, I examined whether firms that have voluntarily adopted a restatement triggered clawback provision are more likely to report a little r restatement instead of a big r restatement. Even though the Dodd-Frank clawback requirements have not yet been implemented, firms have still adopted similar clawbacks on a voluntary basis. These clawbacks typically allow for recoupment when the restatement relates to an error that is material to the prior period, that is a big R restatement, and does not apply to immaterial errors, a little r restatement. I find that firms which have these voluntarily adopted clawback provisions are more likely to report a little R restatement. And this result holds even after considering the severity of the misstatement and controlling for other differences between clawback and non-clawback firms. Thus, my study warns of a potentially unintended consequence of limiting clawbacks to only big R but not little r restatements. That is, managers may use materiality discretion opportunistically uh, to avoid triggering the clawback with a big r restatement. Regardless of the final rule, the SEC auditors and others charged with governance should be aware of the incentives that this clawback rule may create and be aware of how it may affect the reporting of detected misstatements. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank Professor Rachel Thompson of the College of Business at North Dakota State University. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.